This is Ian Griffin with a Professionally Speaking Podcast. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome to the podcast David Murray, who wears a number of hats. He's the well-known editor and publisher of Vital Speeches of the Day, which is a list of uh, important speeches that's been published for many decades. He's also the executive director and founder of the Professional Speechwriters Association, and last but not least, the program chair of the Cicero Speechwriting Awards. So, David, welcome. Good to be here. Well, let, let's start at the beginning. I read a, a list of your various titles there. Uh, just for quickly, for those who aren't familiar with it, uh, tell us a bit about Vital Speeches of the Day. When was it founded and how long have you been involved? Vital Speeches was founded in 1934, um, and I and so it, it it was sort of it was a newsstand publication at that time, uh, and it was it was always what it is now, which is basically a collection of the most important speeches. Um, it was very American centric at that time, and and um, but now it's it's sort of a more global publication. But basically, it's um, it, it's what it always was. Uh, I got involved um, about ten years ago. I became the editor, and about two years ago, I bought the magazine and became uh, the editor and publisher. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's an eighty-year, it's an eighty-four uh, year uh, publication. They, right. Those still in print. Those don't exist that's, too much anymore. That's great. Now, from that, of course, more, much more recently than eighty years, uh, you founded the Professional Speechwriting Association um, gr group, I suppose. And I remember being at the very first meeting you had. Uh, in New York was seven or eight years ago. Uh, what can you tell us about the PSA? Yeah, well, the PSA, I mean, um, speechwriters for many thousands of years had no home. They, they, they couldn't, if they needed to talk to another speechwriter, they didn't know who to, who to call. Uh, and they didn't really have a place for their, for, for any kind of systemic training. So they all just kind of, speechwriters were kind of always kind of the the uh, it was the land of the misfit toys and uh, we we decided a few years ago a number of speechwriters came to me and said um, you know we we think we'd like an association and we think vital speeches kind of has the the gravitas to, to pull that together and we don't know who else does and so we put together a conference and we put together a membership organization and it's just it's just you know grown from that first conference and so now we have a world conference uh, every year that has um, speechwriters from all over the world, every continent, um, aside from Antarctica, uh, yeah. has send speechwriters to this. So it's it's it, it's it's wonderful. I mean, it's a it's it's a thing that you know it's it's nice to create something that people really want and really need, and that you, you almost don't have to to sell it. They they kind of come to us. Right. So it's nice nice organization. Right, and at the conference, which I think is coming up in October of 2018, you you uh, do um, present and make an, an award of the Cicero Speechwriting Award. Uh, so this is really the focus of this conversation we're having today. Uh, start at the beginning. We, where are we in the process if people listening who are speechwriters uh, want to find out about the Cicero Award and, and how they can submit work of their own? Yeah, well, so the Cicero Speechwriting Awards um, have been around, I believe we're in our 11th year or 12th year. Um, and, um, you know, it's basically a very rare chance for speechwriters to get named credit for, for the work that they do. Um, and so uh, normally speechwriters work in the shadows uh, by design, but this is a chance for speechwriter to turn in uh, 
and, and uh, on a number of different categories, um, work that they are proud of uh, and, and believe that they um, that, that is award uh, deserving. So uh, we've had the, this year we've had the uh, call for entries open for a couple months now. Uh, the deadline is coming up. It's May or sorry March second is the deadline uh, to submit your entries. Um, there are many categories uh, for Cicero Speech Writing Awards, and then there's um, a grand award, um, and, uh, and 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 so that that's that's pretty much the size of that. Okay, and and we did mention that you you do I believe tie all this together on the website, which is the website people would go to to find out about PSA Vital Speeches, and if they wanted to submit a Cicero. Yes, it's all it's all at the website vsotd.com. V is in Victor, sotd.com. Uh, yeah. That's the Vital Speeches website, and there are links and buttons to the uh, Cicero Speech Writing Awards and to the PSA. Um, I should mention about the Ciceros is uh, is that um, you can go there and you can see the winners' books. We create a a book which every year, which is a, a PDF compendium of all the winners. Uh, all the winning speeches uh, for the Cicero Awards. So the, every year there's this, this kind of document of, of all these great speeches uh, from the year before. And I should also just mention that for the 2018 Cicero Speech Writing Awards, speeches are eligible that were delivered in 2017, the calendar year 2017. Right, right. Speeches were so there. I'm curious, you said it's been around 11 or 12 years. What kind of uh, evolution have you seen in, in terms of the speeches that you review and that have won the award over that uh, period. Is there any common themes, any any differences compared? Yeah, to I, I would really say that the, the the you know every year it's different. There's a, there's a great variety of speeches uh, every year, and we we really look forward to seeing them all. The the fundamental change, or, or and it's not fundamental, but the the change that I can name is stories. Um, storytelling has become something that speechwriters really consider a responsibility in every speech. And I think actually that they sometimes uh, overdo it uh, with, 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 telling, with feeling like they need to tell a story in every single speech. Um, you know, but I think that we've kind of come to an agreement as a, as a, as a society of speechwriters uh, that stories are kind of more memorable and more pleasurable and more interesting than statistics and that, than other forms of uh, persuasion. Um, and engagement. I think we may have not necessarily gone too far in, in that direction, but but maybe a, have become a little too rigid in our thinking in that way. Uh, sometimes when I see these speeches, I, I can almost predict when the anecdote is going to come. And, you know, if it's not really of the moment, if it's not of the subject and of the speaker and of the audience, it kind of sits there and, and you think, Oh, this is this speechwriter decided to. It was time for a story, uh, and you don't want that as an audience, and you don't want that as a judge. But generally, um, stories make speeches um, more readable, and they make them more listenable as an audience. So I, I would say speeches of the speeches that we see are more fun to read than they were uh, 11 years ago, um, uh, probably because of the, the the increase in the number of stories they tell. Yeah, that's interesting, and and obviously you're looking at the best of the best as well as on a is it weekly that Vital Speeches comes out? It's main monthly. publication monthly. monthly. So mm -hmm. twelve months a year, you're looking at the very substantial speeches, and then these are the maybe the like the Oscars of the uh, of the speechwriting world. But what's your observation then about the you know the industry, if you want to call it that, of 
or the or the profession of speech writing. Uh, where where's it been? Where is it today? And where do you think it's going to? Well, I would have answered you very differently a year ago if you'd asked me that question. A year ago, I was very um, worried about what was going on with Donald Trump um, in terms of speeches. Um, Speechwriters don't just get paid to write compelling speeches. They get paid to know the rules of, of speech writing and speech making and the mores and the, the politenesses. Um, and it seemed as if Trump was throwing all that stuff out and kind of getting away with it. Um, and he wasn't really involved very thoughtfully in, you know, actually reading scripts. And I thought, well, if this spreads, speech writing is going to, you know, go is, is going to be sort of obliterated. Um, a year later, uh, not at all. Speech, the speeches I receive aren't changed one bit by by Donald Trump's style. You know, corporate CEOs aren't aren't aping um, President Trump. Um, in fact. When, when it comes time to deliver a State of the Union address, President Trump isn't aping President Trump. Uh, he, he's giving really pretty conventional uh, speeches when he, when he gets down to, to deliver speeches of record. So um, my, my feeling, um, far from being dour about the, the profession, you know, as, as I think, as I see all this Twitter, all this, all the TV that's going on, all the bombardment of of points of view and opinions and personalities on all these airwaves, it seems to me that um, that the magic that happens when you get a speaker in a room with an audience and you you actually are dealing with human beings and and there's a room, there's a feeling in the room and and the people can not only look up at the speaker when the speaker's talking, they can kind of look at each other in reaction to things that the speaker says. There's something magic that happens in that situation that is really unique to to, to actual speeches and that can't even be, um, you know, can't even be equaled by YouTube or, 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 or other, any other media. And so I, I'm really feeling really strong about speech writing and as long as speech writers define themselves more broadly as more broadly than we're just going to write a script and hand it to a speaker i think speech writers need to take more responsibility and need to think of themselves as general as facilitators of those kinds of meaningful in-person moments but but boy i think that those i think that's um i, I think that speakers really, uh, or leaders, uh, really, really will lean on, on these, these in-person, um, physical, uh, conversations more and more as, as, as the rest of it, uh, just becomes more and more of a, of a, of a kind of mess that no one, no one really remembers from day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I, I know what you mean. I mean, people have talked about the live theater actually thriving in the age of, a lot of virtual reality that people like, just like they did in Shakespeare's day and back to Greek tragedy. They want that in-person experience. But that raises for me a, a follow-up question is, you read vital speeches and you select the 10 or so each month on paper. You read the, um, I don't know, but does sometimes you watch the video of the speech or in other words, are you, are you able to capture that magic from the printed page or, or does it often or depend on? Being it's, in the it's room. Such, it's such a good question. Um, you know, I, I have come to see vital speeches very much as an academic publication that's that's for two kinds of academics. It's for 
historians 50 years from now to find out what people were saying. I mean, right now you can search uh, 70 years ago in vital speeches uh, as an academic to see what people were saying. You know, what, what were they saying a, a week after the World War II ended? Um, and, and, and so it's a great research document, document for that. And it's, a, and it's a document for very serious rhetoricians who really want to read speeches and see how they're structured and see how the words work on the page. I do not ever expect anyone sitting around uh, smoking cigars and, and enjoying, uh, you know, reading, you know, 10 long speeches and vital speeches. Speeches are meant to be heard. Um, and sometimes a speech will pop off the page. Um, the, the New Orleans mayor, um, or not, uh, yes, the New Orleans mayor, whose name escapes me at the moment, gave a great speech uh, about Confederate monuments about nine months ago. And uh, it was absolutely, uh, I mean, it just leapt off the page. You read it and, and it was fun to read. It was nice to hear him deliver it, but you didn't need to because it really had a compelling argument and it just jumped off the page. But often, you, you'll see something that's like Oprah Winfrey's speech recently. It was great on video, but if you saw it on the page, you thought, mm, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't leap off the page. So no, I mean, I, this is an oral, this is an oral tradition and, uh, and vital speeches of the day is, is, has its value. Um, and it's, I'm glad to, to decide every month, what are the speeches that, that I want, you know, scholars 50 years from now to look at, and I'm happy to, to, to showcase speeches that are well constructed. Um, but, but speeches are, are for, for human beings and, and for eyes and yeah. ears. Yeah. And, and so to net it out, the Cicero Awards, uh, the deadline's March the 2nd of this year for speeches given in 2017. And just right. remind, remind people who are listening, where do they go to submit a speech again? They go to vsotd.com. V is in Victor, SOTD.com, and uh, just click on the Cicero button and you'll see a, a list of categories. You'll see our list of judges uh, and you'll see all the rules for entering. It's, it's super easy to yeah. enter. And uh, yeah, yeah any, any like, speech you're yeah. afraid of having, you're, you're, you're proud of having written or you're proud of having delivered in 2017, we'd love to see it. Sounds like a great opportunity to, uh, to get that recognition from peers as well as sort of a definitely something to put in an asterisk on your resume as a successful speechwriter who's uh, created something that would would pass the judgment of, of professionals like you. So thanks a lot, David, for joining us. And um, I look forward to uh, hearing the winner. When are the winners known yet? We, we don't have to wait till October, do we? No, we do not. The winners will be announced uh, toward the end of April. And we, oh. we announce the winners, we, we, we alert the press, and we um, send out, um, the, the PDF is available to everyone. So whether you enter or not, you can, you can read this PDF uh, called These Vital Speeches uh, and, and sort of see the best speeches of the year and take inspiration and instruction from them. Well, thanks a lot to David Murray for joining us, and you've been listening to Professionally Speaking. Mm -hmm.